Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks, and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Modern Business. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Business Podcast. Thank you all so much for hopping on for another great episode. Uh, excited today. You know, I for all of for the folks who have been listening for quite a while, I started this podcast when I was living in New York City. Um, I started, you know, the first episode I ever did was from my small little East Village apartment where I was cramped up at 330 square feet. Um, come a long way since then. Um, but, you know, one of the places that I used to go and frequent quite a bit, um, which is one of the very few in the city of uh, New York that has actually kind of traversed New York and kind of made it to other areas is Mighty Quinn's Barbecue. And, you know, it was a brand that I lived not too far from. Uh, it's right there in East Village, and there's a couple other locations around the city and, and elsewhere. And, you know, I was really happy to see that when I was perusing through the restaurant finance list, and I'll be going there probably about a month, that the, you know, the co-founder and the co-CEO was going to be there. And I thought to myself, well, kind of a nice person to go and talk to because I used to eat his food all the time. So why not? Right. So um, I reached out and luckily, you know, Misha, who is one of the co-founder and who's the co-founder and co-CEO was, uh, you know, was uh, nice enough to answer and to hop on with me today. So I'm really, really excited to have on uh, Misha in just a moment. Uh, before I get into that, I wanted to just recap quickly on a really awesome event that I'm sure most of you were at if you are a listener. And if you haven't, uh, please make sure to put it down next year for yourself, uh, which is Springboard. Um, we had about, we had a little, we had, we had a little under 600 people there this year, which was really, really great. Uh, it was about 140 people more than we had in years past. Um, and so for us, it was really, really special. Um, and we got a chance to meet a lot of new faces that we've never seen, a lot of old faces we hadn't seen in quite a while and everything in between. Um, we're really, really excited about what's to come next year uh, with Springboard in addition to Unconference, which is going to be March 21st to 45th in Park City, Utah, uh, and then Young Conference, which is uh, now officially going through negotiations for Chicago uh, in May and May 10th to 12th. So super excited for that uh, and to see you all hopefully at all those events next year as well. Okay, so really excited to kind of have on another really awesome restaurant co-founder and co-CEO today. You know, you know, I love obviously talking about this space and, you know, it, it's also super special when I have a chance to, you know, you know, really live back and revisit my New York days. And so really excited to have on the co-founder and co-CEO of Mighty Quinn's Barbecue. I have uh, Misha Maggot on with us. Misha, uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I uh, and I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing a bit about the founding story because you know it is pretty unique that a brand that is you know born and born and born and raised in New York City kind of made it outside of the city. A lot of people kind of you know have this idea that if you're born in New York City or born somewhere around it that you kind of stay there, right? And you kind of go to the tri-state and that's it. But you guys didn't do that. You guys really had a chance to kind of go further than that, and you're really well on your way. Uh, so really excited to kind of hear the co, you know, really hear the, the founding story that you have with your partners. Sure. Um, yeah, so our, our story really started in Brooklyn and uh, our third partner, Hugh, was smoking meat at these outdoor weekend food festivals, uh, Smorgasburg specifically, back in 2011. And, you know, from the minute he showed up at these at these uh, these markets, just the smell from, just, you know, really long lines at the time to find authentic barbecue in the city. And now all of a sudden there was this source of just, you know, legit brisket and pulled pork. There was two items on the menu. 
And so we really use that as our proof of concept to really understand that there was this, you know, universally loved food category barbecue that just wasn't represented in the city and kind of had the confidence to then open our first brick and mortar location, I guess, by your old apartment in the East Village and just got amazing um, accolades and, you know, review props from everyone from the New York Times to Zagat's to Time Out New York. And it really put us on the map in a big way. And I think from 2012, when we opened that first location, we really just used that momentum to continue to scale the brand uh, into New Jersey. Um, this or next week, we're opening up in, in Florida, which will be our first drive through location um, with a franchisee. And so, you know, we've really taken the opportunity to identify other markets where barbecue is missing out. And, and that's kind of how we plan our growth strategy. I love it. I love it. So, you know, for listeners of the podcast who are here, just to kind of, you know, inform you, Misha, if you have never listened before, you know, we haven't had a lot of barbecue concepts on the on the podcast before. We've really only had the pleasure of having on, you know, the CEO of, of Dickies, which is really the largest in the space. But you guys really have a different beginning. You know, Smorgasburg, I've been to many times before, very, very different um, and kind of has a bit more of a chef driven, you know, ideal behind it. And I know that that is kind of the case for you guys. Curious to kind of see how you guys are differentiating from others like Dickies and, and folks who kind of born, were born and bred in the South or, you know, in Kansas City or whatever that may be. How are you guys really differentiating uh, from those others and kind of putting a more modern twist on barbecue with the franchising? Yeah, that's actually a great question because, you know, if you look at other cuisine categories, there's, you know, a value player. There's probably a chef up fast casual version and there's a fine dining version, right? You can look at pizza, Mexican food, whatever you want, and, and you'll find that delineation of, of kind of service and price point. So for us, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Hugh is a classically trained chef. Um, we tried to tackle barbecue from its authentic roots of, you know, just using only wood smoked um, pits, you know, n- no gas. And you know, think about the sides and the menu in the context of like a real meal experience, not just an afterthought, which we thought was kind of part of the problem. Some of the other barbecue menus, it was like meat focused and then a couple of cheap sides. We really wanted to have like a fully composed, awesome meal to put on the plate. And I think with Hugh's, you know, chef background, um, I think that really translated well into the menu. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that there just is a bit of a different play to it. And, you know, I don't believe that there's really a great option for the fast casual space. And, I, you know, I've had the pleasure of being to a couple of your locations and I can kind of see the difference. It's very common to have something like that in New York City, but not so common to see it elsewhere. And I think that that's kind of the beauty of where you guys are falling. And so I'm excited to see really how that translates into other markets. You know, and I, I know just from the experience of being in your locations and being New York City born and bred, that technology is obviously a huge part of what you do, right? And it has to be really in order to survive in New York. So talk to me a bit about, you know, how technology is really helping you gain an edge over those more value-driven competitors and really how that has really helped you guys as you guys have grown. Absolutely. Yeah, technology was definitely front of mind, even going back to 2016, you know, we saw the business scaling and we knew that, you know, one day we would be probably franchising this brand. And we knew that the tech stack was going to be super important. Um, we saw delivery gaining share, obviously, even before COVID. And we just wanted to have a very seamless kind of native architecture where people could find us, you know, in the store, online, in an app or on a third party delivery portal and have just a very seamless, easy experience. And, uh, you know, so, so we spent a few years, you know, we've, we've definitely kind of removed and added some, some tech components to our offering. But I think now we're in a place where 
we have a kind of a foundational system that allows us to grow um, has a great loyalty component that can be used across, you know, corporate and franchise locations. But more importantly, if you're a franchisee opening up, you don't have to worry about all that, right? You kind of get the full stack delivered to you. It's plug and play into the restaurant and you just worry about, you know, making great barbecue. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, technology obviously plays a, a huge role in brands kind of making it or breaking it in New York City. And, you know, I know that there's no different when it comes to franchising. And that's kind of the advantage is that you guys have that experience of kind of having to break through and make it in, in a city that's very difficult to make it in. Um, and it's really kind of uh, you've gotten the bruises and the cuts already to kind of make it to other markets in the city, which I think is a, is a good thing. Uh, and it certainly does help. So in terms of your growth plans, uh, talk to me a bit about what you guys are seeing, what type of candidate that you're really looking for. Um, is it more of a multi-unit operator? Is it more of an owner-operator that experiences the food and just loves it and wants to really become a part of that? Uh, or is it kind of somewhere in between? Yeah, I think for the most part, like the majority of the conversations that we have are with multi-unit operators, um, some of which have already opened up you know, older brands and are kind of at saturation in their markets. And they're looking for new brands to bring in to kind of resume the growth of their organization. And barbecue, we think, is a, a segment with tremendous white space. So unlike you know, you know, the burger category or something that's kind of more ubiquitous around any, around any specific region, uh, you can kind of come in and be the number one or number two player in the category. And I think that's just such a competitive advantage with a, with, with a nice moat around it. Um, and I think that's what's been attracting franchisees to our, to our business. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think there's really a lot of white space in, in your industry. So I think that there's something to be said about that. Talk to me a bit about what the footprint is like and, you know, really what that looks like. I know you mentioned drive through is going to be a big part. And, you know, I think that as you guys scale into markets like Texas and Arizona and Florida, you know, places where drive through is more prevalent and you really want to see that. Obviously not in New York City, as we know. Yeah. Uh, but um, talk to me a bit about, you know, kind of the build out and, you know, how that's looking and how that's going to differ by market. Sure. So, I mean, the average footprint is going to be around 2,000 square feet. Um, some of our franchises are opting to have full bars um, as part of the offering. It really depends on what, what area we're opening in. So we, it's not a one-size-fits-all. We're really trying to mighty quint system for each market. So it's, it kind of hits the ground running. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said a like, drive-through, I think, out of COVID has become a tremendous asset um, to any restaurant box. And, you know, we're fortunate to have you know, a franchisee group who was able to find an amazing, you know, freestanding corner building, you know, with, with drive-through potential. And mm -hmm. this will be the kind of first test of that. You know, if you think about barbecue, everything is obviously done in advance when you're you know, smoking a rack of ribs for five hours. You know, nothing's done at the time of ordering. So, you know, driving throughput into that system is easy. It's just managing and having a team that can kind of kick ass on ops um, and just, you know, excel at, you know, order accuracy. Um, and, and making great food and not have to worry so much about, you know, cooking real time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's kind of the advantage is that you can kind of, you can kind of actually put the meat in, let it smoke for bunches of hours and you kind of know exactly how much you're going to need. Um, and I think that if you're kind of prepping that early, it's not necessarily, it, it is relatively easy to kind of quantify that, which is a good thing. Um, yep. In terms of how that translates to non-traditional, because I know that that's obviously a big thing for a lot of New York City brands as they're kind of trying to break in. You know, they're, you know, they're end up always they love to get into, you know, get into some one of the stadiums or whatever that may be. And talk to me a bit about, you know, non-traditional. If there's any plans to kind of do that, I know that you guys really were born out of a out of you know a 
one of the one of the food markets over the weekend in Smorgasburg. And for those who yes. haven't experienced that, when you go to New York City, you should. Um, so I'm curious to hear how non-traditional may be playing a role, whether it's in airports or something like that nature. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. So the stadiums, I think, were the first kind of non-traditional venue that really wanted to up their food game. Um, it wasn't good enough to have, you know, burgers and chicken tenders, you know, in the garden or Yankee Stadium. And, you know, Mighty Quinn's, I think we got, you know, our, our name got put on the map as like the local go-to, pl- go-to place for barbecue. And so we were able to partner up with those venues and put a, you know, Mighty Quinn, you know, kiosk basically in um, where we're serving, you know, a limited version of our menu. But all of a sudden you get to go to like a Rangers game or a Yankees game and have, you know, just class A barbecue, which is kind of something that's new and, and didn't really exist 10 years ago in, in a stadium or a non-traditional environment. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that it definitely is kind of a rewarding and new thing to be able to do that. And the reason I asked the question, of course, folks, is because I've been there and I've had Mighty Quinn's at the said stadium. So I know uh, it is definitely really helpful to be able to put the name on the map and, and from a consumer perspective, but also to kind of get those more sophisticated folks who may be paying good money to be at those games. It's certainly not a bad way to kind of introduce them to a new concept. So, you know, talking about the food for a second, and I know that obviously you know, Hugh plays a pretty large role in this. Talk to me a bit about how menu innovation really, you know, really kind of helps you guys create some buzz around your concept. Sure. You know, so we, we set out to make a menu that was short and simple. We wanted to have a limited set of entrees and sides. And by focusing on what we're doing in the kitchen, you know, we wanted to do everything we wanted everything to translate on the menu as if it was the kind of focal point of what we were doing. And I think that gets lost if you get, you know, some of this menu creep where you try to do more things and try to attract more people that are outside of a core, a core barbecue menu. Um, so, you know, really focusing on food quality and ease of operations for our kitchen was, was important. And like, what we'll do is going forward, you know, we do introduce some sides, you know, as inflation kind of peaked, we introduced some lower priced items. We have, you know, some barbecue empanadas on the menu now. Um, we have mac and cheese fritters, which are phenomenal. So just allowing people to access Mighty Quinn's at a lower price point. Um, portable food, I would say, has, has been great. And, you know, I think going forward, we'll still have some collaborations and some LTOs that would kind of keep the menu interesting and fresh, but also kind of limit the, the size of what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that... You know, one direction that I always like to kind of go with this when it comes to the food is really how it tra- how it actually traverses across when you guys are starting to grow into different markets that were than where you're from, right? And I think that supply chain obviously has been pretty challenging for some people in the food space, and I'm sure you know you guys are no exception considering you're in New York City. You know, how have you guys battled those those issues as you guys are kind of scaling? Is there anything you guys have really put in place that have helped, you know, your franchisees to really be more successful and to kind of stay competitive when it comes to pricing on the supply chain side? Yeah, it's been fortunate in the sense that, like I said, we have a, a limited menu. So just by virtue of that, we have fewer SKUs and inventory to worry about. So if you're able to come to, you know, a supplier and you're buying more volume of limited quantities of, of items, I mean, that's typically an easier proposition, right? So, you know, when COVID hit, obviously we saw a lot of inflation in the protein market. And, you know, that's probably not going away anytime in the next few quarters. Um, you know, we're able to kind of at least guarantee, you know, volume commitments for specific cuts of meat to our vendors. And I think that's enabled us to get, you know, great pricing, but also, you know, guaranteed supply of, of what we need on the menu. Yeah. And, 
you know, speaking of that, because it wouldn't be a food podcast without hitting supply chain inflation and this last piece, and I think you know what's coming. Um, curious to kind of hear a bit more about how you guys really battled the, you know, the employment issue. I know that now things might be changing a little bit and the market in terms of the employment market is going to be changing as the recession hits. People are going to want to have more jobs, especially, you know, when it's a little bit, you know, when, when it may be more in the restaurant space, which suffered a lot during the pandemic in that way. Sure. Talk to me a bit about what you guys, you know, may have done to kind of keep employees excited and interested in coming in to work for Mighty Quinn's every day, rather it's in a corporate location or, you know, what your franchise are up to in that regard sure look i think at the end of the day i mean if people have to want to come to work when there is a limited supply of, of employees and you know we do our best to make uh, you know mighty quinn's a place that is fun to be at and collaborative to, to work at so you know environment is, is huge um obviously that plays into the culture of what we're trying to build and then i think also as we've seen kind of technology get more intertwined to daily operations. I think that's been a little bit of, of a release valve on just like the kind of overall burden of working in a restaurant, right? Because if you have, you know, a streamlined kitchen, if you have orders that are coming through in a way that's easy to kind of identify and pack what needs to go out, um, in addition to having, you know, kiosks also kind of take some of the burden off of the team, you know, ordering kiosks. I think that just kind of operationally makes the place an easier and more fun place to work. Um, you know, it's not about feeling like, you know, you're, you know, getting caught behind and the orders are piling up. It's, you know, trying to create a system where you can drive fast throughput, but employees feel like, and our staff feels like they're kind of part of the team. You know, they, they, they know what's going to be in for them, you know, what's in store any, and, and on any given day. Um, as opposed to, I think, some of the surprises that you would maybe see if, like, you're getting, you know, huge last-minute catering orders or drivers are calling out. You know, we try to limit as much that as much as possible, and hopefully that has contributed to, you know, our ability to attract great. Yeah, and I think that, you know, from what I see, and I know that this is a bit more of my day job, being able to kind of understand what your brand story is and communicate that into the media and having employees see that uh, is obviously really helpful you know, if you kind of had to put into a couple words, you know, what your brand identity really is and what you guys are trying to go for when you're communicating it to somebody that you meet that may not know what Mighty Quinn's is, you know, you know, what would you say? Yeah, I see. First and foremost, I think our, our intent and our messaging is customer facing. So if you think about what Shake Shack did for, you know, the burger category, we're trying to do the same for the barbecue category where there is an identifiable brand that speaks to consistency and excellence and quality. Um, and also that's available in more than one, you know, corner market, right? I mean, a lot of great barbecue places across the country. It's, it's one of one. It's a place that's been there for 40 years. Um, sometimes they're hard to get to. So we're trying to bring that convenience and that brand familiarity to, you know, more, more, more restaurant locations across the country. Yeah. And I know that you guys really are one of the market leaders when it comes to, you know, convenient fast but really good and high quality food from a third party delivery standpoint you guys jumped on it really early during the pandemic and i know personally that i have had you know many an evening where i have ordered from you guys and it has been you know it has been delivered quite well and i think that that's the advantage too of you having your lineage being from new york is you have to be able to deliver well otherwise you won't make it right and i think that you know a lot of people accuse new york city-based brands of being 
you know, putting their thumb up at the rest of putting their nose up at the rest of the country in that way. But I really believe that it does allow you to be prepared for, you know, what's to come. And so third party delivery must be a large part of what you do. You know, talk to me a bit about, you know, what you guys have been seeing with that. Is there anything from a native app standpoint that you guys have tried to stand up or do you feel like third party delivery is kind of the, you know, the, I, I guess it's the, it's the evil you have to, you have to know. It's the evil, you know, I suppose. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, look, I think like every brand we're trying to drive orders through our native channels, you know, web and app, and we'll continue to do that through our loyalty program. But at the same time, we know that there's, you know, huge network effects on platforms like Uber, Uber Eats and DoorDash. And you know, we've made the decision to be on all of the major platforms because we want to be accessible again, like I said before, to guests in the way that they want, that they want to find an order from us. So I don't think that that's going to change. And I think that the big share shift that's taken place between native and third-party delivery has probably already played out for the most part because we're seeing fairly steady, you know, percentage mix about where, how revenue is coming into the store. Um, and then on top of that, I would add, you know, the catering business is, is another one that's growing very fast. So I see catering is most of the time that's native to the brand, right? That's on the brand's website. And, and, and we're the same way. We, I don't see us, you know, transitioning to any third party um, intermediary between, you know, catering and our guests. So I think as off-premise grows, catering will take a bigger percentage of that. And I think that will be a big benefit for us as well. Yeah, because I mean, I know that catering, especially for your industry, it's natural, right? If you're thinking about it in the summer and you're having a big office outing or you're having a big birthday party or whatever it may be, like barbecue is great, especially when you have somebody who actually knows how, how to cook barbecue doing it for you, right? So I think that it, it is certainly helpful to have that in your, you know, have that in your repertoire in that way. So, uh, Misha, I want to kind of close out here with, you know, plans that you guys have for 2023. It's crazy to say, but we're about two and a half months away from, or rather, we're about two and a half months away from the end of the year here. Um, any major plans that you guys have to kind of roll out and kind of start the re next year with uh, with the bank? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, the years go by so quick. It's crazy that it's, it's the end of 22 already. Um, so for next year, we'll be uh, in, the, in another new state. We'll be opening in Maryland. Um, with, with a great multi-unit franchisee. Um, so that's on the docket. Um, in addition, we've been rolling out some smaller footprint locations that are kind of kiosk ordering only. Um, so those are really takeout and delivery focused. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what markets, you know, specifically dense urban areas we can find to, you know, kind of further identify opportunities for that, that version of Mighty Quinn's. Um, so I think the cool thing about, about 2020 or about next year and even into 2024 will be, you know, the emergence of, of more restaurant locations in, in multi-format um, venues, whether it's small takeout and delivery restaurants, or, you know, 2,000 square foot, full bar, um, more, more higher service um, locations. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I think that the, the high quality, you know, high level fast casual space is going to be one to watch, at, you know, as the years go by in terms of how it's affected by the recession and that people still really want to really want to actually go into a place like that. But on the flip side, you know, barbecue obviously delivers super well, which I think is nice. And you guys really do have that have that edge with being technology based and really under, understanding how to deliver well with your packaging and all of that. And I think that that's going to be a pretty major boon for you. So um, super excited to really see where you guys go. And uh, it was truly a pleasure to have you on and talk to a brand that, you know, I got to experience when you weren't necessarily franchising and to now, you know, being where you are today uh, onto the podcast. So thanks again for joining Modern Business. Appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thanks. It's been great. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Misha, if people want to learn a little bit more about the brand, where can they go? Uh, sure. So if you want to get hungry, I would say go to our Instagram page. Um, you can check out a lot of, you know, food porny images and videos there. Um, in addition, you know, our website will kind of give you a good lay of the land about where we're located and where we're opening. And of course, if, uh, anyone has a specific inquiry, you know, franchise or other, they can find that on our website as well. Absolutely. And folks, uh, I will also, of course, put uh, the website to, you know, the link to the franchise website in the show notes if you want to check that out. Uh, if you don't want to listen to more episodes like this and you have never listened before and you just found us through, you know, Misha, Misha putting it up somewhere in an email or whatever it may be, uh, please go to Modern Business. That's M-O-D-R-N Business, uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And uh, we've got another 349 episodes for you guys to listen to. So, uh Thanks again to uh, thanks again to Misha from uh, Mighty Quinn's Barbecue for coming on today. And uh, uh, if you folks are going to be at Restaurant Finance and you're listening to this, uh, please feel free to reach out to Ryan or myself, and we'd be happy uh, to grab a drink with you. Thanks again to Misha, and uh, appreciate appreciate you guys all listening. Cheers.